Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hey, this is Jeff Zog from the Dad Awesome Podcast. I love the Crazy Cool Family, and specifically, I hopped into Basecamp. All of these resources, the video resources, the specific guides that let me put the names of my daughters and my wife, and just showing me visually, hey, am I making progress? What areas can I attend more to? So I'm so thankful. I want to encourage you guys to hop into Basecamp, sign up, dive into those first intro videos. It's been so helpful for my family. Hello, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. Uh, Don is here by himself today, but, well, not really by myself, not with Suzanne, but uh, because I have a very special guest, Larry Hagner. Welcome, Larry. What's going on, Don? Thanks for having me on, my man. Man, we are excited to have you. Um, Larry has an awesome podcast. He's got a book out. Tell us about your podcast a little bit first, Larry. Just let your audience know about it. Yeah, so the Podcast has been around for seven years now, uh, and uh, basically what we do is uh, we've got about a thousand episodes a date. We do three shows per week. Uh, we've interviewed some amazing individuals uh, on the on the show. Uh, Matthew McConaughey being one of them. Just interviewed Greg Olson. Uh, Tom Brady's coming on uh, when he's done with this season of football. We got Conor McGregor who's coming on. Uh, Lucas Black is going to be coming up as well. So, uh, and we're in talks right now also with Chris Daughtry, so he might be coming on as well. Uh, but it really, it's, uh, it's been able, I've been able to interview, gosh, hundreds, almost a thousand experts at this point on, uh, marriage, leadership, parenting, mindset, health, finances, all these things that we so desperately need uh, some education in that we really don't receive when we are, uh, when we're navigating life, you know, ourselves. And so that podcast is called the dad edge podcast and it is available anywhere. I would highly recommend just going to check it out, men that are out there, women too. Do you get a lot of, do you get women listening to your podcast? We do. Uh, every now and again, I get a, an iTunes review from a woman, um, or I, I just, uh, I'll get an email yep. from, uh, from, from a woman who, who listens and, uh, or, you know, the guys that do life with us, they'll tell me that their wives listen to it as well. That's awesome. So, um, and your story, Larry, I mean, um, you come from a somewhat dysfunctional family background, but you have found, you have four kids now kind of give us a little, you know, overview of that journey. Yeah. So the, I guess the 30,000 foot view was, you know, my mom and biological father were, they were married young. They were married back in, uh, gosh, 1971. I was born in 75. They were just kids when they got married. They were only 21. And, um, one thing I can tell you is that when they had me, uh, I think the marriage was already kind of on their way out pretty much. And, um, after they had me, my dad left and, um, I think the, the divorce was pretty darn bitter. And uh, I think he did try to come around for visitation, that kind of thing. It just really wasn't panning out very well. And the relationship was pretty bitter. So he completely left and signed over parental rights, uh, to my mom. And 
Uh, you know, that was really it. And then I was raised exclusively by my mom until I was four. And I have, I have no recollection of my father before the age of four, no, none at all. In fact, I remember being in preschool and men coming to pick up their kids from preschool. I knew what a dad was because men would come to pick up their kids from preschool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my view, my, my thought process at four years old was, you know, kids magically appear and moms go out and they find dads and eventually dads come into the picture later on. It was no big deal. I didn't really think much of it. My mom just, I just tacked it up as my mom hadn't found my dad yet. And that's okay. Right. And then I'll never forget, man, four years old, uh, it's 43 years ago. I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember the first time my mom brought a guy home that she had been dating to meet me. And she told me that day, she's like, Hey, um, I'm going to have a friend over for dinner tonight. He's a very nice man. Um, and I'd like for you to meet him. And I remember the first thing that popped in my head when she said that was, I didn't say it out loud was, Oh my God, I think she found our dad. I think she found our dad. It's kind of cool. Wow. And I'll never forget when this guy walked to my house and up until that point, the only male figure ever walked to my house was my grandfather, which was my mom's dad. And I'll never forget the, the first time this guy came walking in. He's got a, like a trench coat. He's got a three-piece suit on. He was a white-collar software data engineer. Uh, he had a double Windsor tie. You know, He had a briefcase. There were no iPads back then, mustache, feathered hair. And he shakes my hand. And with a big smile on my face and very, very boldly, I ask him, are you going to be my dad? <laughs> <laughs> like... Literally, that was that was what I thought. That's how dads show up. And, yeah, like a Christmas present, huh? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, oh man, he's here. This is cool. And I will never forget that. Neither will he, I'm sure. Uh, but it was really awkward. You know, he laughed about it and that kind of thing. And but I think my mom really kind of took that as a sign because six months later they got married. And I was in the wedding. I remember it. And they stayed married. He moved in. I just remember what that was like. It was. It was like, man, this is cool. Our family is complete. My mom found my dad. This is awesome. He was a cool guy. He uh, he was ex-military. He was very, very big on manners. Yes, sir. No, sir. Please. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Excuse me. Man, if I didn't say please or thank you, especially even to a stranger, I got a, I got a pop in the back of the head. You know, like, please. Yeah, thank you. Right. Like, right. Thank, and, um, but uh, he was a good guy. In fact, if anybody were, were to ask you, like, tell me about because my last name is actually his. He adopted me. Uh, you know, tell me about Joe Hagner. People would tell you, man, that guy's the nicest guy on the planet. He's so polite. And he was, but he also drank a lot. And when he drank, it was like this Jekyll and Hyde. You know, when he was sober, he was very kind. When he drank, he was very mean. And uh, my mom and him both drank a lot. And it wasn't uncommon for them to argue and fight and things get really bad. I mean, like he had a hot temper too. So he would hit us, beat us, you know, beat up my mom. I remember one time, Waking up in the middle of the night, my mom's screaming and going in her bedroom and she's being held down. And, uh, you know, I'm like trying to pry my dad's hands off of hers and he picks me up by my throat, drags me in my room. I, I remember at one point, like I had my hands over my ears and I'm screaming and the neighbors heard it and the cops were called. And it wasn't, it's kind of crazy, but that kind of stuff didn't surprise me much as a kid. It was kind of like the common thing. And they, they only stayed together till I was 10. And they got divorced. It was a horrible divorce. Again, another bad divorce. Uh, he left and I haven't seen him since. I found out about 10 years ago he died. Oh, wow. And I had never saw him and that was it. So I became really curious where I came from because I knew I didn't come from him. 
And at that point in time, being 10, 11, 12 years old, I knew about the birds and the bees. I started asking a lot of questions. I'm like, hey, mom, like, who is my dad? Where did I come from? My mom told me she was married before. I had no idea. So uh, just for the sake of time, uh, I had an opportunity to meet my dad when I was 12. And I was extremely excited about it. And I remember the first time I met him, I immediately started calling him dad. I was so excited. He was remarried at the time. Had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. And at this point in time, he was, he was in his late 30s. And he came to all my Little League games. He only lived three miles from us. And I saw him all the time, at least once a week. It was probably about a six-month relationship. And the last month was really weird. And the best way I can describe it, really weird, being that every time I was around him, he just you just sensed something was going on. Like he was under under duress, under pressure, under stress. He was quiet, didn't really talk a whole lot. Best way I can describe it when men or people ask me, what was it like? I was like, just imagine you're dating a woman. She's not into you anymore. She hasn't told you yet, but you know it's coming. Oh, you, wow. That's what it was like. I remember you know, picking up the phone because I hadn't heard from him in a while. And I remember just asking him like, hey man, like what's, uh, you know, what's going on here? Like, I just feel like something's not right. And that's when he told me, hey, it's me. It's not you. I can't really do this bad time for me. And I don't remember the rest of the conversation and I hung up and I, that was it. My mom continued to date just crazy, toxic abuse of men constantly. She married one more time. Uh, but there, it was a revolving door of just crazy father figures, but I'll, I'll end the story here. Um, regardless of my crazy childhood, you know, on paper, I probably should have dropped out, you know, I, I was grossly overweight until about 17. I kind of ate my feelings away. Um, really turned my life around about 17, you know, graduated high school, went to college, graduated college, got my degree, uh, and started my career in medical device sales. And when I was 30, I was married at the time. I'm still married to the same woman, obviously. Uh, and I had my first son on the way and I'm in a coffee shop here in St. Louis and I'm there for a meeting and who came walking in first morning coffee? My father. No yeah. way. Yeah. Wow. Now, did you grow up in St. Louis too? Was this? Yeah. Okay. So you yeah. were the same hometown. Same hometown. Yeah. And so I knew exactly who he was when I saw him and it had been 18 years. He hadn't changed very much, just a little older. And we ended up connecting and it was very awkward in the beginning. And here we are 17 years later. Uh, I am in my youngest brother's wedding. That's in two days. And uh, we are very tight. My, my dad and I have a good relationship. I wouldn't so say- The youngest brother you're in is your brother from your real father. Correct. Yeah. I have two, oh, wow. younger, I have two younger half brothers. Okay. Gotcha. And me and the youngest are very tight. Actually. Were you an only child with your mom? Yeah. I was my mom and dad's only child. Yeah. But there okay. were, uh, I had sort of step siblings constantly in and out of my life Yeah, uh, with depending on the relationship or who was moved in with us or whatever. Um, but that's, that was my childhood. And, um, yeah, that's, that's where kind of, I think everything all began. So you're 30 years old. You have this, you have, you're married. You've got one kid, one kid on the way at the time, one kid at the way. So you see your dad at this point. Um, where are you in your faith? I always want to bring back, you know, I was reading a book this summer and it talked about the curse of knowledge, how we tend to, you know, we got to go back 
we have been traveled the road a long way and we tend to see life as it is now but we but we don't remember what it was like when we were in that stage you know and going back to where that was and i always like to you know when we talk as crazy cool family parents we're talking about 30 years of experience in parenting but i always like to go back to when i was your age this is where I was. And so when you're at that stage and you see your father, where are you in your Christian walk and in your parenting? So parenting, you know, I wasn't there yet because we were pregnant at the time. Uh, faith walk, if I could rate it on a scale of one to 10, it was probably a three. I was a, uh, I was your typical Catholic. Uh, I don't mean to stereotype all Catholics, but you know, I think, I think the reputation a lot of Catholics have is like, we're box checkers. We go to church on Sunday mm. because we're supposed to, yep. you know, we tithe because we're supposed to, you know, what's funny is that I grew up in a huge Catholic population and so much so that I didn't think anybody outside the Catholic faith was, was, I didn't think, I thought everybody was Catholic. Like that's, that was my mentality uh -huh. growing up. And, uh, I didn't even really find out until later, like what certain other, you know, disciplines were all about. But, uh, you know, when I kind of got out of that bubble and I remember being in college and telling girls I dated that I was, you know, I was Catholic and some of the responses were like, you guys are just a bunch of hypocritical drunks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? And this is like, you know, girls I would date that were Baptist and stuff like that, that didn't drink. And I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, you guys just go to church on Easter and Christmas and, and just get drunk. I was like, is that our reputation? And wow. it's, what the, that's not right or wrong, but that's just, that was a, mm -hmm. that was a view and a stereotype that I had never heard to that date. And then I've heard it here and there over the years too. And I was like, man, that's not true. There's a lot of really great Catholics out there. Uh, but I, I didn't know that that was some of the views out there on, on my wow. faith, but I, I was, I, I, I was kind of a box checker. I did go to church. I didn't really understand it. Um, I just did it because I thought I was supposed to. Um, but I kind of like thought that's what faith was at the time. It was kind of weird. Like I accepted it for that. So what changed your life? Gosh, you know, I would say my life really, really changed uh, almost three years ago now uh, where, you know, my, my family raising four boys, you know, my wife is a diehard Catholic as she's very in tune with her faith, loves her faith. And so I always kind of like let her take the lead on that. And I'll never forget. Um, I always had this view of like, I love God. I have a relationship with God. I would love to have a deeper one, but I don't know where to start. And I, I the Bible is so overwhelming to me. I'm not sure what to do. In fact, I think that there was also a part of me that just didn't feel worthy. Right. Cause I'm like, man, I'm such a, I'm such a sinner sometimes. Like I'm just such a hypocrite or I'm this or I'm that. And to be honest, like I didn't really think I was worthy of God's love sometimes. And it wasn't until I had an interaction with a, a very good mentor of mine who became basically my spiritual mentor for the past three years. Um, so with dad edge, it was probably, it was 2000, 2019. I think it was, it was late 2019. I was, uh, so dad edge is your first book Yeah, that was published. And so that was published in 19. So just three years ago. No, no, that, that book was, was published in 2015. I'm talking about like when this faith walk really started. Okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's why I was wondering about that. Cause I thought it was published. I thought your first book 
And just to let the listeners know, his first book is called Dad's The Dad's Edge. It was published in 2015. So really before this epiphany of the last three years happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of me completely revamping my faith has happened within the evolution of this brand. And, you know, I'll never forget, I had this good friend of mine, a very cool mentor of mine. He's ahead of me about 10 years in age and uh, somebody I respect just unbelievably as a mentor, a husband, a father, and, you know, someone who's also very deep within their faith. And I'll never forget it. I was posting things on social media and I was posting very powerful and boldly and very egotistically. And I was using language. You know, I was dropping F-bombs on social media and even, right. even in my podcast. And I'll never forget, this guy calls me up. He's like, hey, man. He's like, I want to take you out for coffee. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. Sure. But I could tell something was up just by the tone of his voice. Like he needed to talk to me about something. And I'll never forget him showing up to this coffee date. And I could tell right from the start, at some point during this conversation, I'm going to get some tough love. I just knew it was coming. And we, uh, you know, we talked small talk and then he's like, so he took this deep breath and he's like, listen, he goes, I brought you here for a reason. I want to talk to you. How's your relationship with Christ? I was like, it's all right. And he's like, well, what's all right? And I was like, I don't know. It's okay. I guess I was like, I go to church, like, you know, pray. He's like, yeah, but how's your relationship with him? And I was like, what do you, what are you getting at? I even wrote about this in my new book coming out. It's in the last section of the book, my entire interaction with this guy. Um, and he just, I was like, Brian, why are we here? Like, what do you need to say? And he's like, well, listen, I'm obviously a fan of what you do. I love what you do. Um, and I'm seeing things that you're doing that seem to be outside of who I think you really want to be. I was like, okay, like what? And he told me, he was like, well, I hear you dropping F-bombs on your podcast and I see you you know, posting F-bombs in your post. He's like, and he was, he was also oversaw like this huge community of business owners here in St. Louis. He's like, I, I really want to ask you to speak at my next event. He goes, but I can't have you speak if this is the kind of stuff you're going to be doing. And I was like, huh, that's kind of hurtful. And, uh, but then he went back to this relationship with Christ. He's like, do you think that this is a God-like man? You know, is this how you want to get the attention of, of other fathers? And I was like, and I, I, my ego like really protected me during this conversation. I said, well, Brian, sometimes you got to rattle the gauges, man. Like mm -hmm. sometimes you got to use language to do that, man. And he's like, but do you? And I was like, listen, I was like, and, and again, it was my ego. I was like, listen, Brian, I was like, I'm sorry if I offended you. I was like, but I can't promise you that I'm not going to use language like this in the future. And I told him, I was like, quite frankly, I, I don't really like this conversation. I was like, so I, I can't sit here and tell you, you're going to like everything that I do in post. And it's just, I was just massively protecting my, you know, my, my ego. Cause I felt like I was under attack and he just basically left me with, he's like, well, I'm gonna leave you with a thought. He said, if one of your sons was doing what you're doing, you know, using language on social media to get his point across and what would you say to him? I was like, that's a good point. I never thought of it like that. I was like, I probably would ask him the same thing you are. He's like, yeah. And he goes, and I really want to talk about more about your relationship with God, which at the time wasn't much. And I got in my car after that conversation and I was so pissed. I was so fumed. I was like, who does this guy think he is? 
like calling me out like that. Like right. that's just, that's, I was just, right. I was just angry. And then I thought about it for 24 hours. And then I thought about it for another 48 hours. And everything in me was like, that guy is dead on, dead on. And this is somebody who cares enough about me to take me out for coffee, time out of his day to have my back and have my best interest in my mind. And I called him up and I was like, I thought about what you said. And I think you're right about everything. I was like, Brian, I do want a better relationship with God. I have no idea how to do it. None, no clue. And I was also, the last thing I'll say is this, I was starting to get what I would call God nudges at the time, mm-hmm. which is my boys were asking me about certain things about our faith. Like, Hey dad, like, why do we do first communion in second grade? And I'm like, I have no idea. He was like, well, what does it mean to be baptized? And I'm like, I don't really know. I was like, I just know we're supposed to do it. And I'm sitting here thinking like that was, you know, and then they would ask me other things too. Like, well, how do you pray? And I'm like, I don't know. You use these prayers. Well, what yeah. do they mean? I was like, I really don't know. And I started really, it started really revealing to me. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm, I am a terrible spiritual leader. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm basically telling these kids, this is what we do. Cause this is what we do. That's not, it's not right. So it would, that was the beginning of a two year long Bible study with Brian called Operation Timothy, where I had to graduate that program. And it was, it was an incredible program. And Brian gave an hour and a half of his time every two weeks to mentor me. And it was something that completely 100% has overhauled my faith. Okay, this is fascinating to me. Uh, I, I love stories. I love God's stories and how God's working. So I want to take you back just a little bit, though, before I want to hear about that. And I love that you've been, I mean, literally in three years, your life has been transformed. That is a super uh, encouraging story for so many men to hear. I didn't really know that when we started this, but back up when you wrote your book, The Dad's Edge, which is, I'm looking at it here on my screen, nine way, nine simple ways to have unlimited patience, improve relationships and positive lasting memories that you wrote in 2015. Most guys, when they get that stuff, when they come to faith, but you are getting it apart from your faith and then come to a different faith in the last few years. Tell me that story too, before we get to the last three years. I want to hear that story. Yeah. You know, the dad edge, it's kind of funny. I've, I've often thought about, you know, even taking that book down because it is so basic, you know, it is, it is insanely basic. It's, um, I would call it, you know, elementary school, middle, middle school knowledge about fatherhood compared to what we have now, which is, you know, thousands of hours and experts and masterminding and feedback and events. Yeah, because and let me explain that because what you've done so after that is you have a mastermind group. You literally have talked to and are continue to talk to hundreds of dads about, and is your dad edge mastermind, is it Christian based for them? Are you walking them down a Christian path or is it, is it both? It's both. So here's, here's what we have. So we, we do not necessarily push Christianity onto men. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to argue whether that's a right thing or a wrong thing, but here's what I, here's what we do try to do. We try to attract men to that. We, we've noticed 
I don't know if you've noticed this, but it just seems like a societal thing. The more you're in somebody's face about it, about here's what you should believe, here's why you should believe it, and this is what you should do, the less likely somebody is going to engage in even conversation like that. However, if you exemplify it, if you attract it, if you talk about it in a way that isn't, I think, you know, in somebody's face, you know, like, so for instance, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ, he, he did talk about his faith, right? He, he taught people, but he was also, he also knew people had free will, free will, right? Right. He didn't, he didn't force the apostles to follow him. You know, he asked them to. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the amazing things about this, what you're talking about with me, and again, I'm looking at the that edge mastermind, uh, you know, the section of your website. Okay, here's the five things we're going to do. We're going to create an extraordinary marriage. We're going to build an epic connection with your kids. We're going to, and, and crazy cool parents will, will so get, because it so lines up with what, and these are guys you're dealing with that maybe, maybe after Christ, maybe secular, you know, whatever it is. Scale your business and impact on the world. You know, we want to be, we want us and our kids to be world changers, not be changed by the world. Optimize your physical, mental, and emotional health. You know, whether that be your relationship with God or just, you know, pursuing your own physical. I mean, we obviously we believe God will do it better than we can. Set and achieve audacious goals with a relentless accountability. My point is, it's whether these guys are following Jesus or not, there is this innate desire in us for these things, right? Is that what you're saying? I mean, you're the one talking to the hundreds of men. Are you I'm asking that question. I see. I do definitely see the desire in men, right? I think we're actually seeing, and this is to complement this generation of fathers. I think our generation of fathers, we're seeing a generation of fathers who were raised by a generation of fathers who viewed themselves as uh, stereotypically providers. Mm-hmm. Like we provide, yeah. we put we put food on the table. We don't necessarily connect a whole lot because quite frankly, I don't think they knew how they were raised by a very, you know, by a very tough father generation before them. But I think what we're seeing now is men are raising their hands saying, I want more. I want more. I don't just want to provide and put food on the table provide a home and cars and all this. I, I, I want to be in my kid's life. I want to have more patience. I want to have more conversations. I want to have memories. I just don't know exactly what that looks like, but the desire is there without a doubt. Well, and what I want to encourage men and women with that are listening to this podcast, that um, it can happen, you know, what, and so, because, you know, that's so much of what we are about at Crazy Cool Family is it says, you know, um, relationships are the most important thing. Let us teach you. You know, it starts, we, you know, we're a Christian-based organization, so we're starting with our relationship with God. But, you know, all the things are there to, uh, but that, and the connection with your kids. So let me, uh, you know, um, let's talk about, let's, I, 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 there's so many directions I could go with this, but I want to go back to, I just, I'm so fascinated by the story. I want to go back to Brian, Operation Timothy, Tell me about your journey over the last few years and how it's changed your faith and, and your relationship with God and the impact on your family. Yeah, it, it's been a huge impact, and I'll share with you how. So it, it, Operation Timothy is highly structured. 
it's divided up into uh, three different quote unquote books that are that are online. Each book has seven to eight chapters, but it's basically what it is is you're you're going through you're reading scripture. There's also a portion where they take that scripture, they help you interpret the scripture and what it means to us as earthly people, like what the scriptures actually probably what what the scriptures actually mean, and then reflective questions for your own life. And really what I learned through that process was I'm a beloved son of God. Mm-hmm. And I, I am absolutely worthy to have a relationship with him. And it's actually okay if I don't know where to start. Uh, it's just most important that I start and that I'm eager to learn. And what I can tell you is I didn't even know how to pray, you know, before Operation Timothy. And now I can tell you one one thing I can tell you is that I do a lot more listening when I pray now than I do talking. Like I, I literally sometimes I just go on a walk. I walk my dog who's laying back here is exhausted because I walk him every day. And sometimes I, I just walk with God and sometimes I don't say a word and I just try to listen to what he's trying to tell me. And of course I don't hear like an actual voice or anything like that, but I get these, my, my 16 year old and I were talking about this cause he was asking me cause I taught him how to pray through what's called the acts acronym. And I told him, I listen. he's like, you listen. And I was like, yeah, I listen. And he's like, what does God say to you? Is it a voice? And I was like, no, it's not a voice. I was like, but I do listen. I get these nudges. And he's like, like what? I was like, well, I'll give you an example. I was like, I, I try not to ask for a whole lot anymore. You know, I do adoration. I do confession. I do gratitude and Thanksgiving. Sometimes I ask for things, but sometimes I don't, you know? And I said, but on the times I ask for things, I also give God a mo- uh, time to tell me what it, what it, it, his reflection back. So like, for instance, we have 800 guys in our mastermind. And sometimes I I pray and I'm like, God, I was like, I would really love to have the opportunity to bless a thousand men in our mastermind. And sometimes when I listen, I hear, I'm not here, but I feel things like, well, Larry, if we do that, how are you going to do that in my name? Or how are you going to glorify my, my name? Or how are you going to bring these, these other 200 men closer to me? So I'll hear that. And that will get me thinking, how can I bring more men to Christ? What can I do, you know, to, to, to serve God in that way? So those are the things that I, I feel and hear back. Well, and I love the story with your 16. You have four kids, 16 to eight. Isn't that right? Aren't they? 16 to six. 16 to six. So, you know, you're talking with your 16-year-old, right? That's the And really just sharing with him what's happening along the way in your new journey. And so he asked the question, Dad, how do you hear from God? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a sense I get. It's a nudge. And, you know, therefore, the 16-year-old, it's not we're doing a lecture with him on Here's how to hear God's voice, son. Let's me do this lecture for you. It is just along the way. You know what? When I was walking the dog, here what here's what happened. And wouldn't you say that that's that's really coming back to how you build that epic connection with your kids? I love that phrase. I, so I mean, yeah, through through prayer and Christ, and and you know, we have a we 
we do that a lot with the boys. I mean, one thing I'll share with you is now that I'm a graduate of Operation Timothy, I'm now what's called a Paul, you know, because Paul mentored Timothy. Mm-hmm. And guess who I'm taking through Operation Timothy? My oldest boys. Yeah. 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 Do you have, do you have, what are your boys and girls? What's the. All boys. You got, oh, you got all boys. All boys. Okay. I didn't catch that at first. So yeah. So you'll have four, four, you'll be making four Pauls out of. I will. Yeah. So, you know, I'm taking my 16 year old through it right now. And it is the, the, here's the cool thing too. I don't necessarily think you have to be the dad that forces religion and Christianity or down your kid's throat. I think if you live it and exemplify it, they, they become eager and potentially hungry, you know, for yeah. it. My 16 year old asked me to take him through it because all, and all I was doing was sharing with him what I was learning. Cause he would ask me questions. We'd have discussions. And then he's like, he even told me before I even graduated, he's like, when you're done with that, can you take me through that? And I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. I would. Yeah, <laughs> no, let me, let me think about that one. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. You know, I, I, we tell, we tell parents all the time, you know, the trouble is you're running a small business and you think you need to focus on operations, but actually you need to focus on sales because we're selling a way of life that we want our kids to follow on their own. And so that's exactly, you know, when we allow our kids to see our example and to want to follow our ways, which are God's ways, then, oh, isn't that so much better than trying to, you know, talk them into the faith, right? So totally. cool. Um, and so, um, man, what, what an amazing, and I just love it that, um, well, and let me ask you a question. Before you went on this spiritual journey with Brian and Operation Timothy and till today, I mean, what's your relationships look like with your kids? You know, if you look back to four years ago. Uh, I mean, they they actually just, quite honestly, they just they keep getting better. Uh, a lot of people have, you know, they warned me about the teenage years. They're like, oh, when you get to the teenage years, it all changes. It gets really bad. I have loved the teenage years. Loved them. In fact, why? I, why would you say that? Why would I say people tell me it's the hardest? No, or why no. no. Why would you say you've loved them? Because I mean, we all know why the people say we hate them because they're brats and they do all the things and they don't listen and all that. But so uh, obviously, you wouldn't say that's the why that you've loved them. Why would? You, why do you love them? I just love them because they're like little adults right now. You know, they're like these sort of infant adults in a way where they're they're out creating their own lives you know they're really understanding what it is that they love to do they're beca- they're definitely becoming their own individual mm-hmm. and to be honest our conversations that i have with my boys are adult conversations now and the life lessons and they listen and we talk and i think to be quite honest i was reflecting upon this today because we now have, we have almost 50 mastermind call teams in our, in our mastermind per week. And all of the, you know, several of them have similar themes, but we also have the specialty themed. Yeah. And we actually have two biblically, three biblically based call teams as well. But one that we just released was raising young, confident teens with a connection. That's one of our call teams. And one of the guys were asking me, they're like, well, how do you, how do you get that connection with a teen? I was like, and we, we encourage men, if you don't have a teen yet, it's all the more reason you need to be on that call. Because if you're raising eight, nine, 10, 11 year olds, you need to be on that call because the things, 
that you do when they're six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old are going to perpetuate into your relationship with them when they're a teen. So my two oldest boys, I've got a great relationship with them. You know, they tell me everything, you know, that I know of. I mean, some of the things they tell me, I walk away from a conversation. I'm like, oh my gosh, I would have never told my, my mom or dad that. <laughs> and, but I think a lot of it has to do with all the deposits that were made when they were younger and all the things we continue to make with them. And they're, I mean, even both of them, I mean, they, they do like hanging out with their friends, but their homebodies. Like it just blows my mind. They just love being at home or they love having their friends over here. And so you would say that like, and, and there's a term you gave me earlier when we were, before we started the podcast, but you would say that you've pursued, even though your faith journey is the last three years, you pursued relationship with your kids for a long time. You, you've really valued relationship. So, you know, um, and, and do you have any idea why that became super important to you? I mean, because a lot of parents don't get that. And so I'm just curious, what made that important to you? It made it important to me because I didn't have that growing up and I knew what it felt like. And I always felt very alone a lot of times. Hmm. Like I, I felt like my mom in particular wanted to be a part of my life when she didn't have a boyfriend or a husband or somebody living with us. And as soon as that next new boyfriend came around, I barely, I barely saw my mom. You know, my mom was gone a lot on the weekends dating. I spent a lot of time with my grandparents. Um, it was kind of, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't say this out of self pity, but it was a lot of alone time. I didn't like it. And there was a part of me that desperately craved not only a, a parent, but a male parent you know, who was, who, who sometimes just did life with me, or I could go to a man and be like, Hey, um, this kid is picking on me. I don't, I don't know what to do about it. I don't even know how to defend myself, you know, or anything like that. I mean, like my eight year old, you know, whether you agree, whether your audience or you agree with this or not, but my view of it is I was, I was bullied a lot growing up. And this, this coincides with why I have a connection with my kids, um, of, of many. But I, I was bullied a lot growing up and I had no idea how to defend myself. I had nobody to teach me. And that felt incredibly, you know, I, I just felt completely just vulnerable constantly. You know, I was, so one of the things that I always tell my kids, you know, it's, it's the story of, of the wolves, the sheep and the sheepdog, right? Do you know that story? No, I don't think so. So, you know, what I always tell my boys is there are, there are sheep in the world, right? There are innocent, good people in the world and they go in packs. They, you know, they follow the herd. They just kind of do their thing, right? They're, and then there's the wolves. The wolves represent the people that love to attack the sheep for, for no particular reason, right? They just, whether they're a criminal, whether they're a bully or whether they just whatever, right? They just, there's evil in the world. It's the wolf. And then there's the sheepdog. The sheepdog is willing to stand toe-to-toe with the wolf to protect himself, the people he loves, and the rest of the sheep. And I always tell the boys, if you're a wolf, we got a serious problem. But don't be a sheep either. Be right. a sheepdog, right? Be yeah. the one who, who... And so all my boys know how to defend themselves. I've always told them, I was like, God forbid you come home and I hear that you bullied somebody, hit somebody, or did something to somebody for no point whatsoever. Like, that will be a really tough day for you, my friend. <laughs> on the flip side, it's good. It's good. on the flip side, if someone's trying to hurt you, 
or somebody you love, always know you have every single right to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why do I have a connection with my boys? You know, it's one of the things I did with my eight-year-old just the other day. He had a kid on the bus who was slapping him in the face and he just took it because he really didn't know what to do. And he got off that bus just devastated, just so broken. Mm-hmm. So I took him downstairs. I hugged him, loved on him. And I was like, listen, I was like, you, you didn't know what to do. So you didn't do anything. Right. And he's like, yeah. I was like, well, I was like, I'll tell you what. I was like, it's, you know, you got to give people warnings at the same time. Dad's going to show you what to do. And the next time this happens. And I did. And those types of connections were we, I desperately wanted sometimes just a male figure in my life just to teach me something, whether it was just talking to me, teaching right. me something, guiding me, or just to be honest, just doing life with me for, for no reason. And isn't it amazing how those words, I mean, I love, there's so, there's so much to unpack there, but you know, what I miss is that when he came in and told you about it, you didn't say, well, hey, you don't get bullied. You know, you don't, you know, you could have yelled at him or you could have been distant from him. Instead, it's like you just embraced him and said, I get it. You know, I was bullied. You know, I didn't like it. You know, let's let's talk about it. You know, what's happening now? Let's figure out how to be a sheepdog. You know, let's make sure because, you know, we are defenders of people. We are, and, and it may be, it, it doesn't have to always be in a fight situation. It could be that if somebody's trying to gossip about somebody, you know, you stop the gossip or whatever it is. But so much of that is just, you know, there's two things I feel like you said there's one of them is we, we meet them in their, in their hurt, but then we give them a way out of it too. So we, we kind of meet them and train them. You know, what a, what an amazing story that is. Of um, And then now you're coupling it with your transformation in your faith, which is then giving them a, them a new identity, a new purpose, you know. And, and we always talk about, too, you can't give what you don't have. So, you know, before you, you didn't have a relationship. You wanted to learn how to be a relational dad. Now you learn how to be a faith-filled dad. And out of this has come a new book. That's coming out. Um, uh, well, it. I don't know exactly when this podcast is coming out, but probably in, in very close to when the book comes out will be when the podcast comes out. So uh, the book's called Pursuit of a Leg- of Legendary Fatherhood, right? Correct. Yeah. So tell us about that book a little bit and how your experiences over the last couple of years play into what's in the book now, which is very different from Dad's Edge, I bet. Yeah. So, you know, the pursuit of legendary fatherhood, what I've done in, in that, in that particular book is I've taken literally about 1000 interviews, uh, hours and hours of, of masterminding with men and taken all of these skills as it pertains to marriage, parenting, mindset, optimizing physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, uh, in the face of what men face today you know, whether that be external or internal or both. And that is the entire premise of the book. And it's divided up into four sections, which is the state of the current state. That's what I called it, which is what men just face nowadays, right? And how we actually go about life. And in the book, I call it the drift. A lot of men, and this is 
not to put men down. It's just to state it is what it is. A lot of men are on this thing called the drift. The drift is the wash, rinse, repeat, right? It's the, it's every day feels like Groundhog Day. They desperately want to have this beautiful relationship with their life, with their wife. They desperately want this relationship with their kids. They, they want to do work that makes them come alive. One of the quotes that I use when I open up the book is the definition of hell is meeting the man that we could have become when we're on our deathbed. Mm. And most men take their greatest ideas, their greatest hymns, their greatest things to their grave. And what, what I, what I will tell you is that this book and this movement is to help men, uh, live their best life. That's why we always say live legendary. And if I could put this through a Christian lens or a God lens, you know, God didn't put us here to have a mediocre life. You know, God didn't put us here to have that wash, rinse, repeat. God put us here because he wanted us to move the needle in his name, right? And to enjoy our families and enjoy our kids and to, to, to be a leader. And if you think I'm wrong or you disagree, what I challenge men to think about is think of your kids and put yourself maybe in God's shoes for a moment at the end of the day, we want our kids to be fulfilled. Yeah. We, want our, we want our kids to be happy. We want our kids to be an asset to society. And we want our kids to have a strong faith. And we don't want our kids operating any less than their potential that we know that they have. And we want them to believe in themselves. And it almost hurts our heart when we see our kids struggling saying, yeah, but I'm just not that good enough. Wait, what? Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah, you are, man. You are worth it. You are a beloved son of God. Yes, you are. You can have this life and it's okay to actually do it in his name. Yeah, that's, that's what the good. book is really about. That's awesome. And uh, so would you say it's a, um, you know, we talked about maybe the spiritual leader. Is it written from a, um, from a spiritual perspective? Is it written more from a secular perspective? Again, I mean, is, is it, where would you put that? I, I know our readers will ask about it. I know our listeners will yeah. ask about that. Uh, so it's, uh, I strategically put it all the way at the end and, and I'll tell you why. Um, what do you mean by at the end? So I, so it's divided up into four sections the current, current state, husband, father, leader. I put in there the 10 tenets of, of leadership as it pertains to being a man, husband, father. The last tenant is you are the spiritual leader in your family. Now, the reason I did that is because most people remember the the beginning and the end of a book mm-hmm. the middle all kind of runs together right but one of the things i want to strategically do is to put on a man's heart as he closed up the book and read the book because that's the last thing that he heard mm-hmm. and it's also an invite for men to really to really invest in their faith because to be quite honest if if they put the book down they finish the book it's the last thing that they read and now they're thinking man I really need to get back in touch with my faith for me. And, and if a man steps into that, for me, that's mission accomplished. And that's what a man needs to start. So like I began with the end in mind with the book, which is I really wanted the man to really get that last so he could start his journey with that first. That's awesome. I love it. I even love with your mastermind that, you know, I was just talking with a, a couple locally here they have a music a music theater art school, and um, they are attracting people. They they have a, a a godly mindset to their, but it's not 
um, you know, there's not scripture on the walls everywhere because they're reaching a lot of different ethnic communities. They're reaching a lot of different types of people, a lot of different levels of faith. And I feel like you're doing the same thing. And I feel like that's just, you know, the church is supposed to be the church, but outside of it, we're just connecting and loving people and helping them take next steps on their journey. I, I love, tell me the quote again about the deathbed. I got I got to hear that one more time. I heard this from a guest, and I believe it came from uh, Napoleon Hill's book, which is uh, oh my gosh, um, it was a it was a spiritual book where he was having a conversation with the devil. I can't remember the name of the book for for the life of me, but it's a fascinating book. And uh, yeah, the definition of hell is meeting the man that we could have become when we're laying on our deathbed. Oh my goodness! Wow, that's just that one. That's worth the price of admission for the podcast right there. Um, so, uh, yeah, so let, let me just um, land this plane a little bit. First of all, Larry, just thanks so much for being on with us. Um, I think that uh, men and women will be encouraged by your story. Uh, one of the things I just find is, is that, how long have you been married, by the way? Uh, we just celebrated 19 years. So 19 years of marriage. Sometimes I think a lot of our moms out there, Husbands that aren't really following the Lord and they're the spiritual leader. There's just, man, there's no hope. Um, and man, something changes. And all of a sudden a guy comes to you. Another thing that's just fascinating to me, this is like, I believe in what's called spiritual echoes. And what that means is you hear things, you know, those nudges come from different places. This is like the, the second or third, fourth time I've heard, hey, go pursue that guy. You know, what Brian did for you is he said, hey, I want a meeting with you. And I was I was talking with a guy just the other day who has um, discipled many, many men. And what I've always done is I would I would come to Larry and I would say, Larry, you know what? You need to go seek a mentor. You need to go find your Paul. Instead, Paul found you. He did. And he challenged you. And, and that's really it's wrecking me right now as I'm looking at where I'm going with my life and this ministry. Um, it's interesting that he found you. And so, you know, men and women, you know, who are you finding? Who are you challenging? And, uh, you know, he challenged you, but then he wasn't mad about it. He just said, Hey, he just said, Hey, this is something you should think about. Right. I love that. He, he totally did. He, uh, he planted the seed for sure. And he let me brew on it. And he, to be quite honest, I got to applaud the guy's courage and bravery because he really risked our friendship. Yeah, you know, I, I could have stayed upset, you know, and it could have been like, why are you talking to that dude anymore? But he felt it important enough, you know, to to have the conversation, which I, I appreciate. You know, so all not all conversations are going to be pretty, especially <laughs> right. especially if if you know if you're really if you really have somebody's back. If you really have somebody's best interest at heart, not all conversations are going to be the greatest. It's going to be like, hey, man, I see this. You know, I, the last thing I'll say is this. If, if men don't have, you know, this tribe of people, tribe of men in their, in their corner, you know, Stephen Mansfield said it great. He's a New York Times bestselling author of several books, one of them being uh, Building a Band of Brothers, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, uh, Men on Fire. But there's a common theme there that he talks about and there's a, and I've seen him speak now twice and he talks about this, this circle of friends in his life that he has. And he calls it the iron sharpens iron, you know, the, the circle. 
Right. Meaning, um, if thing, you know, if he's at a restaurant with his friends and if he's looking around and he, you know, checks out the rear end of the waitress and, you know, like starts to flirt with the waitress, he fully expects one of those guys to be like, what's going on at home, man? Everything okay? Right. Talk to us here. You know, we're, we're, this is what we're seeing. And that's what men need. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, man, um, I was at an event and I'll leave it at that because for sake of privacy and, and it wasn't too terribly long ago, but it was a group of men. We were celebrating, uh, one of the guys who's getting married and there were a variety of ages of men there. And it was the older ones. There was one, there was a, we went to a restaurant. The waitress was beautiful, absolutely stunning. And she was wearing like this low cut dress and all this other stuff. And, and she was, we, we asked her, Hey, would you mind taking some photos of us? And the way these dudes, especially the older guys, I was embarrassed, man. Like, and these are married dudes, like older men. And they're just like, Oh, Hey, I can see Cleveland. I can see Cleveland, meaning they could see her cleavage as she right. photos of us, you know? And they're like, Oh, and like bend over a little more. And I was like, what is going on with you guys? Like, this is, I understand that's a be quote unquote, a behavior, maybe even a societal acceptable behavior, but not on my watch. It's not like, right. I'm not gonna, I don't want other people seeing me talk about women that way. And I'm not going to do it, especially out of respect to my wife. So, you know, if, if those men were in my circle, I'd be like, dude, come on, man. Like, yeah. come on, you know? Well, so many, um, so many impactful things, I think for, uh, especially men. So if men want to, obviously your ministry, dad edge, not just a podcast, dad edge mastermind, your book's coming out, you know, um, the dadedge.com is your website that's obviously in one way. How do you want men to connect with you? Yeah. I mean, the best way, you know, it depends on where a man is at with his journey. So I'll just, just illustrate a couple of different men. Like, listen, if, if you're looking for a new podcast that is, you know, solely, you know, um, focused on marriage, parenting and mindset and optimizing physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, as well as, being a better leader, you know, data is just what that's, those are the things we talk about all day, every day. And we have an arsenal of almost a thousand shows that you can go choose from, go choose your topic. It's there. I can't believe you do three podcasts a week. Oh, I do. That's crazy. Well, it's about to be four because I'm going to start doing a podcast with my oldest son. Um, we're going to, we're it's going to be conversations between a son and a father, uh, life lessons and that kind of thing. So it's about right before God help me on that one. Um, so that's, that's for the podcast listeners. You know, if you're, if you're open to books or children's books, I got a couple of kids books out there. Uh, one is called daddy will always love you and protect you. It's a great book to read to your kids. Um, it's, it's how we think it's how we feel. And it's a great story for your kids on how you feel about them, how you always love them, how you always protect them no matter what. Uh, and then I would say, if you're looking for online courses, I have a couple of those. I've got one, I've got a masterclass on patience being more patient with your kids and more patient with yourself and how to be more resilient just as a man in general. And then I've got a creating an extraordinary marriage course as well. Uh, if, if even more is your jam and you want to be a part of a, of an upfront 
live virtual mastermind, Data Edge Alliance is definitely where you want to go. You can fill out an application. That's how we, that's what we have men do first. You can find that at the dadedge.com forward slash alliance. Well, Larry, thanks so much. I mean, love your story, love your journey of faith, uh, love your family. Um, it sounds like that things are going well there with your boys and your wife. And uh, obviously your ministry is, is blowing up as you're talking to men all over the country about how to just, we, well, we just call them taking next steps on their journey and, and moving forward to where that deathbed, it's, it's the person that we want to be on that deathbed versus the person we wish was there. I love that quote. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, any final, any final words for us? Yeah, and just in case your listeners are like, man, what was the name of that Napoleon Hill book? I did look it up real quick. It's called Outwitting the Devil. Uh, it's fascinating book, absolutely. Yeah, fascinating and we book. will uh, we'll put a link to that in the notes as well. It's Napoleon Hill, right? Yes, sir. Hey, thanks again. So enjoyed this, and uh, we will. Um, and for our listeners. Um, you know, we are in this series this fall called The Parent to God Relationship and just pursuing God. And I think that um, what great stuff to learn and to be challenged by here. So as always, parents, go be crazy. CrazyCoolFamily.com. <laughs>